Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online. Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson, a show all about how to grow your online business. And every week I get to talk to some amazing people uh, from around the world, around the world of e-commerce, and I get to ask them all kinds of weird and wonderful questions about what they know and how it's going to help us uh, develop our own online businesses. Now, in today's show, we are getting into ads, especially paid ads, as we look at how not to waste a bunch of money on crappy ad campaigns. That's right, that topic sends shivers down my spine. Let me tell you the murky word of paid media. I don't know about you, but I have made some right howlers in this area with my own e-commerce companies. So I am stoked, let me tell you, to be talking today with Jared Spiewak. Now, I'm going to be asking Jared about the biggest mistakes uh, that we make with our marketing. We're going to dig into conversion tracking and why I should really care about it, as well as, you know, what are some of the key areas we need to be aware of when starting an ad campaign? Now, Jared is the founder and lead strategist of Blue Dog Media, a boutique strategy first agency that helps exceptional businesses run sophisticated ROI positive marketing campaigns to fuel long term growth without, he says, uh, and I think it's true from what I know of Jared, without all the typical agency BS. So it's going to be great to talk to him uh, about all this now. Before we get Jared on, let me tell you, all of the notes from today's show will be available as a free download on our website. Just head on over to ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 51 to download them. This is episode number 51. And so if you go to ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 51, you can get access to those. Now, uh, without further ado, uh, we're going to bring Jared on. But before I do, if you are watching this live on Facebook or YouTube as we do the interview, feel free to join in the comments, uh, ask your questions and say hi. It'd be great to connect with you and understand where you're where you are in the world, uh, as we are now broadcasting this uh, interview recording when we do when we record the interviews for the podcast live on Facebook and YouTube. That's right. We're trying this simulcasting thing. And so when it works, it's awesome. Uh, so if you're on there, come join us. Now, let's get Jared onto the show. Let me click the button here on my control pad. And hopefully he is there. Hey, hey, Jared, how are we hey, doing? Man. Yeah, not too bad. Can't complain about yourself. You know what, I, it, I have to say, I can't complain either. I think considering the, the world in which we live right now, um, I, am, I, am, I am grateful for health uh, and for business. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of thing. Um, where, where about, I'm in Liverpool. Whereabouts are you right now? It's looking very different from the time zones. Yeah, I'm in New Hampshire, so I live about an hour north of Boston. Okay. And is it, is it crazy weather there or are we doing all right? Well, I don't know how to calculate it to Celsius, but in terms of Fahrenheit, in the winter we can get below 20, uh, negative 20. In the summer it can get like 100 here. So we have both ends of the spectrum. Depending on the day, it's anywhere from freezing to mild. Wow. 
Okay. Uh, it looks like your video. Oh, there we go. Your video froze for a little bit there. It sort of is a bit intermittent, but we can hear you. Uh, that's the main thing, even when the video freezes. Now, uh, have you, are you from New Hampshire have you, or, or have you moved there? How did that work out? Uh, yeah, basically. So I was born in Massachusetts and then we moved to New York when I was maybe two or three years old. And then my sister was born and then we ended up moving to New Hampshire. So my dad's family's primarily from Mass. My mom's family moved to New York. So then we moved there. Then once they had my sister, moved to New Hampshire when I was five and I've been here ever since. And I probably live like within like a stone's throw of the first place we ever lived. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> sort of stayed where you are. You enjoy the winters and enjoy the summers of New Hampshire. I have to admit, it's one of the few places that I've not actually been to. Um, I've not been to Boston. I've not been to Massachusetts. I've been most of the states. I've not been to those particular parts, but it is definitely on my bucket list to, uh, to head there, let me tell you. Yeah, well, if you head over here, definitely do so around August, September. Best time of year to do so. Okay. Point taken, sir. I shall remember that. Um, so uh, you run a company called Blue Dog Media, which is a, a sort of a, you called it a boutique agency. So how did you, how, what's your journey been into the, to this point so far? How did we, you know, not from birth, but how, how did we get from, from, from where we are to, to where you're at now? Well, the, the start of the story actually doesn't start too far off from it. So when I was 14, I was in high school at the time and I needed to figure out how to make money online because I was going to start going to college when I was 15 and I had to figure out how to make money to pay for it. So from there, I got wow. kind of involved in the world of you know online money, if you will, between like e-commerce and marketing and all these sort of terms I started to learn about. And from there, I went to went to school for marketing, got a degree in marketing. I quickly moved to a corporate marketing job when I was 17. I was there for about a year. Very quickly learned that the corporate life just really isn't for me. So, kind of when I decided that that wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna be what I was gonna do for long term, I ended up signing up for a website called Upwork, which was much smaller nowadays than it is today. This was uh, quite soon after their merger. Um, yeah. So I signed up for the site. I was working for about $5 an hour, kind of doing anything in marketing from Big social bucks. media, yeah, to video, yeah. to ads, basically anything that someone would pay me for in the marketing or digital side of things I was doing. After a bit of time, I kind of narrowed down to, uh, for a while, I was only wor worried about SEO, got a job offer from a SEO, mark well, for a marketing agency that was more full service to be on their SEO team, offering me double what I was making at the corporate job in a work from home position. So I was out of the corporate job within two weeks, gave my notice, I was out of there, worked from home over time. My freelancing uh, that I was doing on the side while also working for the agency grew and went from full-time down to part-time to eventually no time. That was towards the end of 2017. And then from the end of 2017 to the first couple of months of 2018, I was freelancing full-time. I had all these clients. I was like, what's the next step for me? Sure. And the next logical step was to form an agency. So that's primarily what I've done uh, since then, and you know, like any kind of um, psychopathic entrepreneur, I have a bunch of other <laughs> ventures that I'm always <laughs> building, working on, and, and whatnot. I love that phrase. Yeah, I love that phrase, psychopathic entrepreneur. I'll be using that. I'll, I'll be using that. That's brilliant. I find, though, um, and I don't know if you find the same, Jared, the, the story that you've told is not, it's not an uncommon one. That actually, mm -hmm. I started here um, earning very little money, but enjoying what I was doing. And, and I kind of went from A to B a little bit, started to freelance, started to do this side hustle. Eventually that became a big thing. And now I have, you know, now I have my business. Um, 
And it's, it's, I don't know, is it, is it, is it as common as I, as I think it is? I think it's quite a common story, but uh, do you find that's quite a common story? Um, it can be. So I, I know a lot more people in this space than like the world of online business that has a similar story than I know in any other space. Uh, but uh, one of the challenges with um, the online stuff between both on the, and I think this is also very similar in the e-commerce world, is that on the agency side and both in the e-commerce or drop shipping, you know, however you're kind of, um, you know, Amazon FBA, et cetera, uh, what's very common is there is also a lot of people who are coming from a lot of different walks of life that were sold some sort of uh, internet gurus course, and now they're, you know, starting their own thing. So you also run into that a lot, which makes, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, really interesting players in both of our spaces. There's also a lot of really dodgy players in both of our spaces. Yeah. 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 I find, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I think anyone listening actually to the show will know exactly what you mean too. Cause that, that I, 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 I totally get and understand. So how for you is the world of agency? You've been doing it a little while now. It, it, you know, it's, um, is it going well? I mean, before we came on, on live, you were talking about the fact you, you're in the middle of a rebrand. So I, I assume it's going well and you, you're moving onwards and upwards. Yeah, so it's gone pretty well. I think every year since we started, basically doubled revenue last year in 2020. I think we two and a half extra revenue and I think we increased profit margins by about 50% or so. So it's it's been going pretty well, in my opinion. Yeah, they're nice figures, aren't they? We two and a half X that turnover. I just everyone's going, Oh, that's nice. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. And we can increase our profit margins at the same time. That's great. So let me I mean, before we get into this whole ad thing, um, have you built your agency sort of using your own medicine, if you like? Have is it what we're gonna talk about tonight? Is this how you've built it, how you grew two and a half X, how you've increased productivity, uh, profitability? Not yes and no. So what uh, a lot of so what we are are a boutique agency, and what that means is that we focus on having a very small client base, a small team, and we spend a lot more time working on improving what we do rather than you know, just taking on the volume of people. And so because of that, a lot of the time we're really only one or two clients off from being at max capacity. So we don't need to run you know super extensive uh, marketing campaigns for ourselves because a lot of the time what we're getting from uh, like the podcasts that we're doing or the talks that we're giving or the YouTube videos that we put out, uh, you know, that's bringing us more than we can handle as it is. So it just hasn't made a lot of sense to do uh, too extensive stuff. But on the side of, uh, you know, SEO, what we're doing for a lot of clients is ranking them on Google, where yeah. for what I'm more so doing on our end, which helps us quite a bit is ranking on YouTube. Uh, I, we get, I get a lot of stuff from YouTube, uh, even stuff that I've put out years ago that I didn't even know I did. Uh, like, <laughs> Like I recorded a video with someone, they just happened to put it on their YouTube channel. And then two years later, it's it's ranking pretty well. And then all of a sudden, a couple of people are mentioning, it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot I did that. Yeah. Uh, so YouTube uh, has been pretty good for that. A lot of the traffic that we get from our site, just because the nature of the industry is other agencies, which we don't work with other agencies. Uh, and so we'll get a lot of other agencies that will reach out and be like, hey, let's white label this, which we just don't do. Yeah. Yeah, 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 don't, don't white lay. Okay. Now you make an interesting statement about YouTube there because I've been having this debate a little bit with our guys back at HQ and I've, um, I've been on a few podcasts and we've had conversations about this and this is, I find it's fascinating when people talk about social media and, and YouTube. And for me, um, my, my observation is actually you can have a small number of subscribers on YouTube. Um, 
and be more profitable than having 10,000 subscribers on social media like Twitter or, you know, um, Instagram. Uh, but we tend to go after the Instagram followers rather than the YouTube subscribers. And for me, I think we've got it. A, I don't know. It just feels like we've got it a little bit backwards because like you say, I put out a video seven years ago and people still contact me from a video that was seven years ago. So it's a very similar story to yours. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been a really interesting conversation we've been having internally about do we focus more on YouTube when we look at these results and, and, and what comes in as a result from where? Uh, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on this, any wisdom? Yeah, so social media certainly isn't my um, my main strength, but I do. Th- YouTube is massively underutilized by a lot of businesses. There's a lot of... Um, I mean, even when it comes to both the organic and the ad side of things, it's rare that we're working with a company that has any sort of video in the first place. And it's so easy to uh, kind of maximize because that uh, on social media, your content lives and dies on that platform most of the time. Like if I post something on Twitter, unless it's something super, there's a very little chance that that's going to get shared around in a lot of places outside of the Twitter ecosystem, where if I share something on YouTube, if I post a video, that might get embedded on other people's blog posts. People might share that on Facebook or on Twitter. So they're actually sharing it on the other social media networks. It's going to get a lot more engagement. It's going to last for a lot longer. It's going to be a lot more uh, discoverable where on social, you're more so playing with who are your followers right now and how can you get them to share your stuff so that their followers can follow you. Or on something like YouTube, uh, anyone can search for that. If they search on Google search, your YouTube video could show up. If they search on YouTube search, your YouTube video could show up. Um, so on and so forth. So I think YouTube is massively underutilized, especially for kind of showing the inner workings of uh, of a company. So something that that I'll mention to e-commerce businesses sometimes is they'll be like, well, the reason why we're 35% more expensive than our competitors is because our competitors outsource all their manufacturing and they use companies that use child labor uh, in a bunch of you know third world countries. And then that's because we do everything locally. Uh, that's why we're more expensive, but we think that this is the better path for our company. Like, okay, great. Well, if nobody knows that, they can't value that. All they're seeing is that you're more expensive. How about you create a video showing off you manufacturing your product and go, huh, it's kind of funny that our competitors never do this because they can't. They can't yeah, show you yeah, that. Yeah, they yeah. have to go fly to you know, the other side of the world and be like, okay, great. Here's the people that we hire that this, you know, the only reason that they were able to produce our products for so cheap is because we exploit labor laws in other countries. Yeah. Very, very good. Very true. Very true. Well, uh, there's a lot of value just in that in that opening statement about YouTube, isn't there? I think. Um, so, let's talk about ads. Uh, let's let's jump straight into this. Um, what are the biggest mistakes then that businesses make with their marketing? So let's let's look at that maybe from an ads point of view. What, let's start digging some of these mistakes straight away. Where would you start? with that question? Sure. So I think the the biggest mistake that people make is that they start on step five rather than step one. <laughs> and that is often that they go through their, you know, let's say their Google ads campaign and they start off with keywords. They start yeah. off with placements. They start off with, you know, whatever it may be. That is not that's not a strategy. Keywords are not a strategy. A placement is not a strategy. A strategy is fundamentally 
why are you advertising? Who are you advertising for? What is the objective of what you're doing? And most people don't start off there. Most agencies don't either when they're working with clients, which is a, you know, a massive issue. Yeah. And so what happens is let's take a, uh, a fictitious e-commerce company that sells running shoes. And what they do uh, most often is, okay, great. We sell running shoes. We're going to run ads for people looking for running shoes. Okay, great. Uh, that's going to be really expensive. The conversion rates are going to be fairly low. And uh, you, you, there's no segmentation there. There's no audiences. There's no cohorts. You're, there's no real strategy there. Where what we focus on is before we even come up with keywords, we're probably two weeks into planning stuff. And we're looking at, okay, well, who are you actually selling to? Okay, well, 20% uh, of your customers are uh, Susan, so we're going back to uh, buyer personas, so giving yeah. a name to a cohort. Okay, great. 20% of your customers are Susan. She's a white middle-class woman who has a good job. She lives in a cul-de-sac, and she gets together with all of her uh, girlfriends at, at the end of the week, and they all talk about how they used to uh, look so much better before uh, in high school when you know they were you know on the sports team or whatever it may be. And now that they're in their 40s, they work all the time. They don't have the time to do whatever it may be. And so she's sitting there two, three glasses of wine and she's like you know what i'm going to start running she buys the shoes even though she never does so if you can get that detailed then you can create that specific person detailed out that person into a specific campaign and then your ad copy your ad images uh, depending on how you're running your ads on your landing pages if not then you're not going to you know, mess with the actual product pages for that but you can target susan and you can yeah. target brian and you can target roger and betty and whatever it may be and you can segment that so if you start there uh, actually figuring out who you're advertising to. That's one thing that I don't think I've ever seen within an ad account. Legitimately, I don't think I've ever seen it with both companies that are just getting started as well as companies that are making tens of millions of dollars a year. I often go in there and, it's, and you know, what is the strategy? Okay, well, we're promoting these five products because they're our most profitable and we're promoting it uh, on the East Coast because that's where we have our most brand recognition. Okay, great. That's, that's not really a strategy. So that's, that's not a, really segmentation a, either, is it? Yeah, no, for sure. And that's a that's a really big one. And almost any account that you go into where the business actually understands who they're selling to, if you go in and do that, you might see your conversion rates you know, double or triple. You might see your cost per click. You know, maybe your cost per click won't change too much, but you're going to be much more willing to uh, pay for somebody when you know that they're looking to buy your running shoes because they want to look like they did in high school. And so your ad image shows somebody that looks like them, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, running with some sort of like inspirational message that'll get them to buy. And you might be willing to pay four times more per click for that person because you know that, uh, you know, basically that ad is looking at them and being like, hey, are you this, this, and this? And they're saying, yes, on this, on that, on this. Yeah. So this ad really speaks to me and they're going to convert really high. And then that's a big difference between uh, ad accounts that convert at you know like half a percent to you know one and a half percent compared to you know in some campaigns you might be able to find a three five you know depending on what you're selling maybe even like a seven percent conversion rate. Yeah. So is I mean for for people that don't know, um, you it, with when if they're looking at Google AdWords, you've just mentioned two figures there. You know, sort of a half a percent up to sort of seven percent. Is that? I mean, I, I appreciate this is all a bit like how long's a piece of string and tell me which industry you're in. Um, but you talked about 7% being a good conversion rate and half a percent being, you know, 
maybe average. Is, is that about right? It really, really depends. Uh, so if you're selling something that is um, fairly like generic, like running shoes, like there's a million that people people who sell it, there's a lot of big box retailers who sell it. So you're uh, also competing against price with them and whatnot. You're probably looking at maybe like one to two percent. Yeah. Um, maybe higher if you have a good branding. You know, if Nike's running ads, they're going to have a pretty good conversion because everybody knows and trusts Nike. Uh, where if you're selling something that's maybe a little bit more unique that there's not a whole lot of people on the market for like if you think back to um like dollar shave club for example at one point in time they were really the only company that uh, offered that that had any sort of name recognition they probably found really high conversion rates early on and their conversion rate is probably less than half of what it was when they started now that there's harry's and all these other competitors yeah, yeah. out there yeah no that's fair enough so um so you, you, you talked um, about the segmentation, understanding the, the customer persona, deep diving into that, and then building ads based around that. So the, the ad that you talked about um, with the lady who, you know, is, there's a photograph of someone that looked like her 20 years ago. You know, it's a bit retro. Um, and, you know, you're, you're aiming at that person. Are you sending that person... Um, directly to the product page or are you sending that person to a landing page which has got the same photo and the same sort of language to that uh so ad that you've the, just shown the largest determinator there as to which way to go uh, primarily depends on how many products you're running ads against if you're running products against ten thousand different ads at some point that becomes unviable and way too expensive to be worth yeah. it uh, if you're also selling something that is uh, fairly low lifetime value or fairly low cost, then it's usually just better to send it to the actual um, product page itself. Now, let's say you're selling some sort of, um, uh, you know, let, let's say you're going back and you're selling uh, a, a running shoe that's like $250 and it's also uh, like a smart running shoe, like it tracks how much you're running. It's basically like a fitness app in your shoe for whatever reason. I'm sure it exists. Um, so, you know, so something like that, you, that might be something where you need to have a dedicated landing page because you need to break out the, the um, you know, the customer education might not be there to just go to a product page and buy this, you know, three, $400 shoe that isn't known by a big name. Yeah. It's not like a new drop or whatever. Uh, yeah. So for something like that, I would generally recommend like a, like a landing page that explains what the product is, explains the pros and cons, explains who this is for, you know, breaks it out into, you, know, you would have different uh, styles of landing page where you make fairly minimal changes most of the time for the different yeah. cohorts. Like, you know, if you're targeting women with one campaign, have all the images be women. You're targeting men with a different campaign, have all the images be men. Uh, so pretty standard stuff there. But yeah, so if there's a lack of consumer education on what you're selling and you're selling something that has high value, then a landing page can make a lot of sense if you're selling a bunch of different things that are fairly on the lower value side of things it usually doesn't make sense to send somebody to a dedicated landing page that's really helpful that's really really helpful and practical advice um and so so okay so we're we're starting our uh, you said you know don't start start at step five start at step one you know this is mm -hmm. one of the biggest mistakes that we have and step one is um, you know, take a step back. Who are you advertising to? Why are you advertising this? So start to segment and think about who your customers are. What are some of the other mistakes that, that people make in this in this arena? Sure. Um, so before I go into that, just one more thing that I'll say on the, the first point is that all the ad campaign will do for you is it'll transcribe your knowledge about your business and the knowledge about your customers into the campaign. 
So the more you know about both, the more sophisticated and the more well-built out your campaign would be. So that's one of the reasons why you really want to start there is it shows yeah. just how much you actually know about both. Now, the second thing there from there is conversion tracking. Uh, the, re oh, the reason why I put this as number two is because if you're not properly tracking conversions, then you might as well not be running ads at all. Now, one of the good things about e-commerce is that the basic conversion tracking, such as purchases, is basically out of the gate. Uh, if you're using something like Google Analytics and you're on something like Shopify or WooCommerce, it's basically a flip of the switch and you're good to go. The import yeah. into Google Ads is basically you know two, three clicks away, and that's fairly straightforward. So most people have that figured out, which is great. Beyond that, uh, what's also important to make sure is that internally, you're tracking things like your lifetime value or your retention rate if you're doing anything on a subscription basis. So you can tie that back into your ad campaign as well. And hopefully you're also tagging customers as to where they found you. So you can also see if there's a lifetime value difference in different sources of where you're getting customers in from. So maybe uh, your social media, maybe you have a really strong presence there and people are worth maybe 30% more than they're coming in from ads. Well, then uh, you can't base what you're willing to pay on ads based on what you're making on social media because it's just not worth the same amount of value. So that's another thing there. Now, what a lot of people are missing on the conversion tracking side of thing is engagement tracking. And this is anything that somebody can do on the landing page or the website that gives you more details into how they're actually interacting with the page. Now, this can be anything from how many people are signing up for our email list. Somebody might go to the product page. This might be something that they're trying to figure out, is this for them? They might go to your FAQ page. Maybe they go to a blog post and they sign up for your email list. You should also be tracking that. Hopefully, you're also tracking within your email list how people are actually coming to sign up for your email list. If you don't know, within a form, you can set up a hidden form field and just have it automatically pull in a URL parameter, which will just fill in where they actually came to you from. And so yeah. you know, developers should be able to help you set that up. So yeah. beyond that, you should also be tracking things like if you... Uh, in, What's great is that a lot of e-commerce platforms will track this out of the box. But if somebody has to go from the, your, uh, your product page to a cart page, to a shipping page, to a billing page, to then they purchase and then they get to a thank you page, each step from there should also be tracked so you can see where people fall off. You should, yeah. can also be tracking things like how far down on the page should they actually scroll. Well, if only... 30% of people scroll below the fold, then you need to make sure that everything that they need to know in order to make a purchase, as much as possible at least, is above the fold. So if you don't show your star rating for your products or how many reviews it has until somebody scrolls down, they get to the review section. But if only 5% of people are making it that far down, it's basically making no difference at all to you. Yeah. Whereas from there, you can go, okay, great. There's no room to add a bunch of reviews above the fold, but we can add, okay, great five stars and we've had 214 reviews on this product or whatever it may be so you can see how far they're um, scrolling down as well you can also track things like if you have a video on your page how many people are clicking on the video how many people are watching the video you can also tie that into your remarketing to make much more sophisticated remarketing campaigns where you don't just target who's been to my website but who's been to my website and has engaged with it i only want to show my ads again to people who have actually engaged with my site so they're not an engaged user. However you define that could be how long they were on the website for, how long they scrolled down, if they clicked on the video, if they clicked on add to cart, if they did a combination of those things, et cetera. So if they didn't do that, then don't waste your money remarketing to them because they clearly weren't interested in the first place. So a lot of these things with tracking, not just sales, but also everything that can lead up to a sale or what people did on your website without buying can also help you. And then you can figure out things like, okay, well, maybe only 1% to 2% of people are buying, but... 85% of people who make it to the cart are buying. And then you can break that down. 
Should we increase the conversion rate of the cart to purchase, or should we increase the conversion rate of product page to cart? You know, what's going to actually uh, provide us the most benefit? And you can basically run tests that way instead of just seeing a blanket, okay, 1% conversion rate. What do we do there? Yeah. Okay. Well, there was lots there, right? I mean, lots and lots. So my, I guess my, if I can just peel it back a little bit in terms of, um, in terms of uh, monitoring and, and tracking that, you talked about um, Google Analytics. Will Google Analytics do all of those things that you mentioned, or are, are there other bits of kit that we should um, perhaps look at? Yeah, so the other primary tool that you'll want to be using is Google Tag Manager. There's pretty much nothing you can't do with Google Tag Manager, um, but a lot of the stuff that I mentioned you can do fairly easily out of the box, like scroll depth tracking, et cetera. Now, the caveat there is with Google Analytics 4 or GA4, which they've only, I think they launched it like two, three months ago. Some of that is done out of the box, uh, assuming you turn it on. So Google Analytics natively can now track scroll depth. It can now track video views. I don't know if it tracks out of the box how long people viewed the video for, but some of that is automatically tracked within Google Analytics 4. Mm -hmm. If you're still using Universal Analytics, then you won't have that in there. But even with that being tracked, I still want to double track everything through Tag Manager, primarily because GA4 is still new. There could be a lot of changes from Google, yeah. and I don't want to be too reliant on something that they've only released a couple months ago. Wow. Okay. So we can, and Google Tag Manager and Google Analytics, so they, they're free, right? So these aren't things that we have to pay for. They're free, but if you go to the enterprise level where you're getting uh, Google 360, um, which is which I think is like a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. So only if you're like a pretty sizable company, you have to worry about that. But that's really for if you're in like a, if you're like Uber, if you're like a real like mega enterprise client that needs the most um, kind of sophisticated features. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's free unless you're, you know, a, like a $4 billion company watching this. If so, yeah, yeah. stay around for my contact information. Yeah, that's great. And so, um, I, and I, I, Google Analytics, and you know, I get, people emailing me all the time, use this software and this dashboard and that stuff. But actually Google analytics is such a powerful piece of software that's free and it's Google. I mean, they already know everything anyway. So, you know, why not, uh, why not, why not use that software? Right. And just, uh, and just have at it. Listen, I am, we're just starting to scratch the surface of this whole conversation. We've got a whole lot more coming up, but in the meantime, we're just going to take a few minutes here. Uh, and connect with this week's show sponsor. We'll be back. Joe and I will be back after this brief message. Let me give a big shout out to one of our show sponsors, Curious Digital. You know what? I love its flexibility. It's such a great platform. You know how when you start out, you might typically use an online platform because they're cheap, they're easy to use, super accessible. But you know what? They aren't that flexible. And as your business grows, you end up moving to an agency, right? Because that's just what you do. And at some point, you're going to have this nightmare to deal with. And it can be incredibly expensive. And the thing for me that I love about KD is it will grow with you. You can start out on the platform easily. And as your business grows, then KD will adapt with you. Now, I don't know of any other platform that does all of that. So if you're in the market for a new e-commerce platform, make sure you follow the links from mattedmondson.com. Take advantage of the offers that they've got for you and uh, let me know what you think. Okay, we are back with Jared and uh, we're talking about 
you know, all things Google and how not to waste a whole bunch of money on crappy ads and things like that, which is just, so we've got into some of the mistakes that people make um, and, you know, segmentation, thinking about it right at the start. Uh, we've talked a little bit about conversion tracking and, and Jared, you were, you talked about conversion tracking from all kinds of different ways, from purchasers to engagement on page down to scroll downs to, you know, filling in forms and all that sort of stuff. The good news is if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I didn't get all of that, I need to listen to it again. Well, that's the beauty of a podcast. You can just hit rewind. But of course, you can get the notes from tonight's uh, conversation uh, at ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 51. And we'll put all that information on there for you, well, because that was a lot of stuff to think about. So um, I guess that leads me nicely on to a question, Jared. A lot of what you're talking about, if I... It, it almost sounds like you're talking, uh, we have this phrase in England, talking double Dutch. In other words, we're, we're not quite, you, you're using a language which we're not quite sure about. And it, it can sound mm. a lot more complicated um, in, our, in our heads. Is this stuff complicated or is it fairly straightforward to learn and get your head around? I think a lot of it is fairly straightforward. I think what makes it complicated is just working with technology that you're unfamiliar with. I mean, think of anything that you use on a daily basis. I mean, the first time you looked at Google Analytics, uh, at least I remember one of the first times I looked at it, I mean, there's there, how can I make heads or tails of this? I remember my first time yeah. behind the WordPress backend and, you know, I thought that was pretty scary. Um, so I think a lot of it, there's, I don't think a lot of it has a massive learning curve, at least for at least understanding what it is. The implementation is going to be a little bit more technical, but a lot of, uh, a lot of what I mentioned on the conversion tracking side is a lot of it's built out of the box. Like if you go into Tag Manager, you set up Tag, you just select Scroll Depth, and it'll tell you, you know, what percent, and it automatically, you know, if someone's put fifty there, if someone scrolls down fifty percent, fire the tag. Um, so that's fairly straightforward. When it comes to the buyer personas, uh, that's something that uh, I find a lot of businesses have never really thought too much about, uh, which is, uh, you know, to me is honestly a a little bit of a scary thing if you don't really understand who's buying from you and why. Uh, but you know, that's something that I think does take a little bit of a, um, kind of, a of rethinking around. Cause even though that's kind of historically marketing 101, I think it's something that has been kind of lost in the digital marketing era where a lot of businesses don't start there, but it's still such a fundamental, uh, aspect. But I think even then it's something that, uh, that the concept is pretty straightforward, but if you don't really know who's buying from you, figuring that information out can be a little complicated because then you're running uh, studies and surveys or you're doing yeah. market research, you're hiring a market research company. So that can be a little bit more complicated, but I think the general concept of it is, you know, something that you're only like a blog post or two away from getting. Yeah. Okay. And so if I was starting out, like if someone's listening to the show and they're like, well, I'm just starting out, I don't have an existing audience I could survey. Um, can they still find out who the best personas are that they're going to be targeting? How would they, and if so, how would they do that? Yeah, so some of it can be a bit of guesswork. The less you know, the more broad you're going to have to get. So, for example, uh, let's go back to running shoes. Let's say I'm starting off, and I'm starting off with a brand new running shoe uh, e-commerce company. Now, I I can look up things like running statistics, or like you know who's running. You know, when do people get into running? Or you know, I can look at running forums and blogs to figure out, okay, you know, what are common trends that people are talking about. If you want to get, if you're more on the technical side of things, you want to get a little bit more sophisticated, you can, um, you know, maybe check the POS of the forming question. You can scrape the site, 
run it through some sort of tool that analyzes or creates engrams and you can find common words that people use in their posts and you can you know analyze it that way if you're not very technical don't worry about that uh, you can just read things manually uh, so you can do market research around it that way you can find statistics and that's some of the stuff that we do for our clients because some of our clients don't know for example uh, one of our clients works with um, uh, real estate investors like a lot of their customers are real estate investors so what we had to do was we had to find statistics around like what's the average income of real estate investors because we wanted to do income-based targeting that's just yeah. a google away so that was just a simple google search anyone could have done then once you actually have those people you can you know you can ask them and you can figure that out and like oh the internet said it was 50 to 100k a year turns out it's more so 80 to 150 or whatever it may be so you're not going to be starting off in the dark uh, other things where uh, google has if you're talking about google ads that is google has built-in uh, audience targeting and we use this as well with the in conjunction with this with the cohorts that we're creating but you can go in there and you can go okay people who are interested in health and fitness people who are interested in running people who have been looking at uh, health or exercise equipment or there might even be a running uh, affinity targeting or in-market targeting for you to look at i don't know off the top of my head but there's tons of different targetings that you can go in there and you can go okay great i want to target men and women seven days a week 24 hours a day who are 18 to you know uh, maybe like 45 because you're like eh, probably not a whole lot of people 65 plus getting into running nowadays mm-hmm. but you can look at that and go okay great you know that's a pretty safe guess my audiences are this keep it fairly broad and then you get the clicks and you get the data in, and you can start narrowing down from there now you're only going to be getting the information from google's platform itself you're not necessarily going to be getting the information directly from the source but you might find that uh for whatever reason uh 8 p.m to 12 a.m. is when your conversion rate is higher. You can take some guesses as to there, but until you kind of ask people, you're not going to know for sure. But you yeah. might be able to take a guess of, okay, well, a lot of the people who are buying our products probably work like a nine to five. A lot of people who are buying our shoes also uh, you know, have kids, and so they're putting their kids to bed. And then once they actually have a couple hours of free time, that's why they're searching between 8 p.m. and 12 a.m. So you, you can make some educated guesses, but basically start broad. You don't need to just have one keyword and just leave it open. Uh, but you can start with a you know what you sell, set up audiences in Google Ads. Another thing that a lot of people aren't aren't using, and is something that uh, that you really should be using, is going into the audience tab, like click the little plus button, just search for things around your product or things that you would expect someone who See buys what's your already product there. Yeah. into. Yeah, and there's a ton of this stuff out of the box, and you can basically narrow from there, collect data once you actually start getting customers, once you have enough traffic, invest in that, or you can also do is if you know anybody else who's in the same space also ask them see if you can get any information from them that can always be helpful no that's that's fantastic and i think um i think that just spending that little bit of time like you say i like that that concept that idea to spend that little bit of time at the start when, even when you're starting up trying to figure out as much as you can about your potential audience start with fairly broad strokes and then start to niche it down and specialize as you start to get those sales in knowing you're only going to get better as the, as the data comes in. So, um, okay. So, so here, here's a question. Um, if I'm starting out, uh, do I do it myself DIY or is it best to, um, to contact an agency? I appreciate, you know, and be honest here. You've got, I appreciate you've got a little bit of bias cause you, you are an agency, but, um, I think this is a question that a lot of people ask actually. Uh, do I do I need an agency right at the start? I think that comes down to your background and your budget. 
if you if you've just been funded for twenty million dollars, it's probably not in your best interest to do it yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, get in touch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're starting off, this is your first business, and you're like, well, I need to keep the lights on. Then it makes sense to do it yourself. Go to go to YouTube. Um, you know, you can type in whatever you sell, and you can probably find someone that's walking you through how to create and add in your exact industry. Um, not only that, but I also recommend for most people, even if they work with an agency to do some of that because then you actually learn what it is that you're buying. Something that's very frustrating on my end and from the agency perspective is that sometimes uh, someone is looking to hire us to do something that they don't understand themselves. And so it creates a lot of tension where uh, you know we're trying to offer something to someone that they think they need because they've heard about it, but they don't even know how it works fundamentally. And that creates a lot of frustration on both ends when then you as a business are wondering, oh no, we just lost 20% impression share the things are going really bad. You know, this keeps me up at night. This is, you know, now I have to fire this this email. There's another thing I have to worry about. And turns out it's not that big a deal at all because, mm -hmm. you know, there's this other metric that you didn't look at. So I do recommend for most people to be at least somewhat educated on what you are you know, putting your money behind. It just makes it a lot easier, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's going to save you a lot of money in the long run too. Uh, mm -hmm. Most people have worked with multiple, <laughs> most people have a, a, a bad agency experience story where they've yeah, yeah. screwed over, they've lost a bunch of money or, you know, whatever it may be. So it kind of uh, <laughs> sum that up. It depends. What it depends on is, do you have the skills for it? If you're like 55 years old, you you barely know how to turn on a computer, but you're like, hey, I know that, you know, I know retail, moving into e-commerce. I know the logistics side of thing. That's great. Probably, you know, hire a consultant. If you don't have the funds to hire an agency, hire a consultant to set things up for you. Meet with them yeah. once a week, once a month, whatever. Um, so it's not a, it's not a, you have to hire an agency. It's not, a, you have to do it yourself. Um, you know, some, I mean, some of the clients that we work with, they're very old school. They were, we work with some people that have been very successful retailers and now they're just getting into direct to consumer online and, you know, the online world, the online marketing world is very new to them and it doesn't make sense for them to do stuff themselves where we have other clients that have managed their own ads for years and now they've grown their own business to a point where they need to have somebody in. So I would say the very general rule of thumb, at least try yourself first. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I like what you said there about educate yourself. So even if you're thinking about getting an agency and to spend a little bit of time understanding uh, some of the principles and ideas of it. And actually we're talking, we started off the show talking about YouTube where um, you, you actually said, just head to YouTube. You'll probably find something on there, uh, which you can watch and, and, and that'll give you enough education, uh, right there. And then, so spending a little bit of time to learn about it. I like that. That's great. So, um, uh, if I go right back to the, the start of the show, we talked about, uh, the, you know, the big mistakes people are making when it, when it comes to ads. And we've, we've talked about a whole bunch of stuff there. Is there anything else that you, uh, that immediately springs to mind that we need to sort of, uh, chat about here to close that that section off yeah i would say another big thing is your placement management which is just where your ads show up uh which on the search network which is google search uh this is what you what you put in as your keywords is not what google shows your ads for google interprets that into what search terms you should put that in for because people search for things in very specific ways that you'd never be able to create keywords around yeah. So some mistakes that people do is they put in what's called a broad match term, which is just they write in the word running shoes, and then they run that. Google takes a very liberal approach to how they interpret running shoes. So they go, okay, shoes, well, dress shoes, or running shoes, tennis shoes, right? And yeah. so you get a bunch of clicks for a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. So going into what's called your search term report 
and actually making sure that what you show up for is actually showing up for is quite important. On the shopping network, it's the same thing, except you don't have keywords. All you have is your products and then Google create to Google decides what to show your ads based on your keywords and based on what you have on your page. But you still have the search term report where you can exclude things from there. Uh, so you, you can be a bit proactive on the search. You, you're a bit more reactive on shopping. With display and with uh, video campaigns, which is done through YouTube, you have placements on other websites or YouTube channels or YouTube videos, etc. Making sure that where your ads are actually being shown are actually worth being shown. Uh, so a very big and common issue on the display network is showing your ads on a bunch of websites that are just there to manipulate Google AdSense so that these websites aren't real websites. Nobody actually cares about these websites, but your ads get shown on them and they make money, as well as parked domains, uh, so just domains that someone's looking for something yeah. to buy the domain. You're, you'll get a bunch of clicks for them. You'll see a lot of like kid apps, kid websites, et cetera. You're like looking at this website and you're like, hey, this looks like it was built 20 years ago. Who uses <laughs> this website? Nobody. They just managed to manipulate Google to get you know your budget on there. So some people might be able to reduce their ad spend on their display network by 30 to 80% and see no change in sales because that was just going to completely wasted websites. Same thing with YouTube. There's plenty of YouTube channels that aren't worth anything that your ads are showing for. So actually going in there and refining your placements in the first place by your audiences, by refining what types of content you want to show up in the first place, but also any content that you do show up for actually looking at it. Uh, the programmatic side of, of ad placements, which is when these ad networks automatically decide where your ads show up for, can be quite dangerous. Uh, there, there's plenty of stories. Um, so yeah, you were saying that there was plenty of bad, uh, bad stories in Uber, and then it just kind of, it, it died. So it finished the Uber story. Yeah, they don't want me to tell you. So, uh, so <laughs> Uber and back in 2017, and this is only recently coming out, um, they were spending about $150 million on their marketing and about $100 million of that $150 was just being wasted. Uh, Chase Bank uh, was spending money on 20,000 different placements. They reduced that down to 5,000. No change in performance. Procter and Gamble reduced their marketing budget by about two hundred million dollars. Wow! No change in performance. Now there are various reasons that go into um, both uh, deceptive ad networks, but also um, you know, bad ad practices. And some a large from a lot of the stories that I've read and what I've dug into, a lot of it does go down to placements and a lot of it is based on programmatic where there's a lot of really crappy sites that are worth nothing that your ads are getting shown to all the time and a bunch of robots that are clicking on some of these ads. And so you need to be, you can't just say, okay, I want to show up to runners and then, you know, great. And then never look at it. You need to, if you're taking a programmatic approach and you're not manually choosing what websites you want your ads to show up for, you need to really be monitoring that. And you really need to really cut out websites that are just uh, that just aren't worth anything. And this is something that I don't see done very often, primarily because the clicks are so cheap that you, if you're running you know, $1,000 a month on display, but you're getting clicks for a penny or two, that's a lot of clicks to have to figure out you know, what sites are actually worth running or not. But this sure. is, it's really important. So just filter by what sites are getting the most clicks, impressions, et cetera, and just kill off anything that, just take a quick look at it yourself. Visually look at this. Does this look like a legitimate site? If not, uh, then get rid of it. Yeah, that's that's all good advice. Um, I, I, this leads me on. I mean, what you're talking about here, you, you're talking about pre-ad stuff, as in spend the time doing the research on your um, your target audience, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you're talking about post-ad stuff. So make sure you're checking the placements, make sure the ads are showing up in the right place and, and so on and so forth. Are we 
are we, if I'm listening to this and I, 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 and I've not done this before, I'm thinking, man, is this going to take hours a day to do, or is this, is this, um, something that actually still gives me a life at the end of the, at the end of the day? Do you know what I mean? What sort of time expectations are we talking about here? One of the big things that is going to determine that is what networks you're running on, what your budget is and what your cost per click is. If you're, you know, running something that's, you know, $20 a day and you're in a space that's going to cost you five bucks a click, well, that's not a whole lot to worry about. If you're running something where you're spending five grand uh, a month and you are getting clicks for a couple cents, that's a whole lot of clicks you need to manage. So when it comes to the time, I it can, I mean, so f when we're building out a campaign, uh, it can take anywhere from two to four weeks of, you know, fairly intensive work before we're confident in being able to launch something. And that's just our end where we take all this extra time to like worry about cohorts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when it comes to management, uh, which is where, you know, if you're DIYing this, where you need to be careful is just focus on the 80%. So Pareto's principle uh, is pretty much applicable to anything. 20% of your of your campaigns is going to result in 80% of your spend. Mm -hmm. So if you're worried about search term management, look at what keyword, look at what search terms show up the most and filter down from there. If you're worried about, you know, your keywords, look at what keywords get the most clicks. You know, if you have one keyword that gets a hundred clicks a month and you have another keyword that gets two clicks a month, you know, don't worry, don't stress too much about the, you know, the one that gets two clicks a month, sure. even if it's getting nothing for you, because it's going to be much more important to worry about the one that gets a hundred clicks a month. If, you know, if it's only getting, you know, 80% quality clicks, it's going to hurt you a lot more than the one that gets 0% quality clicks, but only gets two clicks a month. Uh, same thing with your, with your uh, placements, look at what's showing up most and just work through there. I mean, if you're DIYing this and you have, you know, an hour a week to go through this, uh, then you really need to make sure you're spending your time where it matters most. And a lot of that would be placement management, verifying that your conversion tracking is still set up because sometimes that can break, especially if you're not using landing pages and you have all this bunch of different codes and tags and whatnot on your site that can break pretty easily. So are you still tracking conversions? Are you showing up in the right places? Those are probably for people who are DIYing, I would, those are the two main places I would recommend uh, that you look at. Cause other than that, we're starting to drill into um, much more technical things, which uh, uh, you know, if you manage your placements that can save you, a lot of money, especially early on when your placements are going to be a lot more erratic because you don't have all those negatives set up. Well, okay. Um, that's very, very helpful. So, uh, so we've got <laughs> so much advice here on how to actually, um, how to get, a, how to get about doing this and how to, how to get after it. Um, one of the things that we've not talked about yet is the well there's a couple of things we've not talked about yet actually one is um one is seo uh, and the <laughs> other is um paid media like with facebook uh, you, you've talked a lot about google adwords um let's talk about uh, uh both of those uh, which one do you want to tackle first seo or facebook i'll let you choose um let's start on the seo side okay so um so SEO, search engine optimization, uh, obviously people finding your site organically. Now, I appreciate if, you're, uh, if you've got a new site, a brand new site, your SEO is probably not your main strategy you need to go for. Um, but how do you, how do you manage the, 
uh, sort of the AdWords versus organic SEO? How do you run those campaigns, uh, those campaigns? How do you run that optimization side by side? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways that you can um, uh, combine the efforts of both. So for example, on the SEO side of things, you're going to have what's called Google Search Console. And what Google Search Console does is it shows you what you're getting impressions and clicks for um, on Google Organic. And what you can do is you can use that information to then feed into your keywords for your Google Ads campaigns. Because you might notice that there are uh, topics that uh, you never even thought about keywords or ideas uh, for different topics to talk about that aren't in any of your ad copy, that isn't in any of your keywords, et cetera, that you can then go, okay, great, let's build out keywords for that. On the To the same extent, what you can do in Google Ads is you can find your search term report, what people actually search for, and you can use that to then better optimize your site. So, okay, great, going back to running shoes, you, your keyword is running shoes, but then you find that within your search term report, uh, people will also search for uh, running shoes for flat feet or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Maybe you never thought about that beforehand. So if your product's yeah. good for people with that, uh, then you can mention on your page. If not, then maybe you should make a distinction that, hey, you know, this is what's good for, this is what it's not. So you can, uh, that's ways that you can combine those together. Now for advertisers who are uh, trying to limit their spend. So if you don't have a lot of budget to scale your spend, then what you can do is you can run um, a different tests. So for example, if you want to uh, test an offer, maybe you want to see if people are going to be interested in your, uh, you know, what's the conversion rate of your product going to be if you offer it for uh, 15% less, you know, are you going to make more sales that it justifies you lowering your price for you overall, you make more revenue based on the increase in conversion rate. Well, what you can do is you can run a test on um, ads where you can say, okay, great, there, people click on the ad, they're going to go to this version of the page, you can split test that. And you can see, okay, what, what is that equal to, and then you can roll that test out live. So ads are also an amazing uh, testing ground for search as well. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, you, you, um, the internet has been a bit funny, so you, you broke up a little bit. So just to recap, what I think you said in that section is uh, use ads to test your um, your web copy. So you can put these two different versions of the page up, split test, run ads to both pages, see which converts better or connects better, and you can roll that out o o on your website. That's quite a, 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 a pretty decent strategy, isn't it, to, um, to, to use ads to quick and easily test what's going to convert better long run on your, on your website. Exactly. Especially if you're not generating a whole lot of traffic, it yeah. might take you, you know, months to run a test if you're only getting a couple hundred visitors through organic, but it might take you a week to get enough traffic through paid to figure out what works better. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's a, it's such a top tip. And I think it's one of those things that people just don't use. Um, for whatever reason, I, 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 whether it just feels too complicated or what, I don't know, but actually it's a really straightforward thing to do. Just add two different pages um, selling the same thing or promoting the same thing or talking about the same thing, see which converts better, see which, you know, people engage more with all this stuff that you talked about earlier on with, um, with measuring conversion. Uh, and you can, you can do that pretty cheaply, can't you? You can do it pretty quickly and pretty cheaply and get some amazing data as a result. Yeah, it's, you know, I think uh, a lot of the hesitation comes down to, uh, SEO is seen as this really, you know, sexy marketing channel that everyone wants to, everyone wants to show up, everyone wants to put money into. 
where uh, ads are perceived as a lot more expensive. But the reality is that in the short term, it's quite the opposite, where in the short term, SEO is by far way more expensive. And then yeah. over time, it's to have a snowball effect where as your results start to increase, the overall, you know, what you're getting out versus what you're putting in, you start to get a much better return there. But depending on the industry, depending on how old the website is, depending on yeah, you know, how the branding and you know, basically what you've been able to do organically, um, you know, that could be six months away. It could be two years away before you really hit the ball rolling with search. And so what you have on ads is the ability to run uh, quick tests, the ability to uh, generate sales very quickly as well. You have the ability to uh, also pre-test everything that you want to do on the search front. A really big issue that I see is, okay, great. I just started my business. I, I mean, probably every day, like 20, 30 different people reach out. It's like, hey, brand new business. I want to I want to start thinking about SEO. Well, my answer is no, because I know that it's not. you're not yeah. going to be very happy at the end of the day. You're going to invest a bunch of money and you're not going to see anything where the better route to go is to start with ads, scale up ads, and as it scales, then take the profit from the ads and invest, reinvest that into the SEO campaign. And then your ad campaign is funding your search campaign. Not only that, but you've also pre-tested everything that you're doing. Who wants to wait six, eight, 12 months, invest tens of thousands of dollars in a search just to find out that your conversion rate is terrible yeah. or that your yeah. lifetime value is terrible, where you could have figured that out and saved a whole bunch of money, you know, six to 12 months ago. No, that's very good. Very good advice. So I guess my final question then is around Facebook, because uh, you've talked a lot about Google um, ads. Mm -hmm. um, do, you, do you deal with Facebook advertising or do you just focus in on Google ads? And if so, what's your reasoning behind that? Sure. So we do some of it. It's more so on my business partner's uh, kind of agenda than it is mine. I've, I've dabbled in Facebook ads. Honestly, I don't like Facebook ads as a platform. Mm -hmm. The reason being is that as my business partner is constantly dealing with, Google likes to randomly ban ad accounts. Google likes to, I'm sorry, Facebook likes to randomly yeah. ban ad accounts. Uh, Facebook likes to completely change their interface and now you can't find anything and all their help information is out of date and their customer service is terrible. And so just uh, so many roundabout issues that run in on uh, Facebook that I'm just not uh, I don't get as excited about it, but I do recommend that just about everybody be on Facebook and Instagram for ads at the very least for remarketing. Yeah. With e-commerce, a lot of people don't buy on the first impression. They don't buy on the first um, you know, interaction with the site. So at the very least, just uh, remarketing on most platforms is usually worth it just so that you can keep people, um, uh, you can stay top of mind with people. You can show them, your, you know, they, okay, great. They were on the product page, but they didn't buy. Let's show them an ad that is also shows a review or something like that, that highlights yeah. a review. So at the very least, I would recommend that. Uh, but I have a lot of problems with Facebook constantly changing their interface, banning ad accounts, and then re-enabling them and then banning them for the same thing that support just said was fine. Uh, yeah. So that's my kind of love-hate relationship with uh, Facebook. Yeah, it, it, Facebook, you're right, it does have its quirks, doesn't it? Let's be real, it does have its quirks and, and uh, you've, you've got to get your head around that. Having a fascinating conversation this morning with someone about um, how uh, the changes in iOS, you know, that Apple have made, uh, which have in effect screwed Facebook over, certainly from an advertising point of view a fair bit. Um, 
I wonder how, how that's going to impact things. And, you know, she was talking about the need to, um, as a because they were a Facebook ads company and how they're going to have to rethink things through and, and develop that out. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting to watch as well, isn't it? This whole sort of um, move where power goes back to the people, which is what Apple's sort of trying to portray, isn't it? We're going to protect you from these ad companies. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's an interesting move. So we have other technologies such as I believe is called uh, browser fingerprinting, which can basically uh, replace third-party cookies while still getting the third effect, uh, the same effect. So it's not, um, you know, not everything has been lost, but I think there may also be a, um, you know, as much as, um, I don't know, how do I, how do I explain this without seeming like a bad person? <laughs> so as much as people are like, um, you know, we, you know, we want to protect our data, we want to protect our privacy, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, at the same time, uh, are people going to appreciate it when all the ads they see are completely irrelevant to them mm-hmm. or when, uh, you know, are they going to get ignored with annoyed where it's like, you know, why am I seeing all this stuff that doesn't relate to me? Or, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it used to be so much easier to, you know, find good, cool stuff to spend money on or, or whatever it may be. So there, there's pros and cons to it. The technology itself, like browser fingerprinting, I believe is what it's called. Um, it's kind of beyond me on a technical level right now. I'm still looking into it, but it seems to uh, uh, effectively do some of the same stuff that uh, we've been able to have. So it's not the end of the world for what we're doing. It will make uh, tracking more difficult. It will make attribution more difficult. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, that that's going to be, a challenge specifically on the attribution side of things where mm. you're spending money on Google, you're spending money on Facebook, you're spending money on Instagram, you're spending money on other ad networks, you're spending money on SEO, email, etc. But now not everything is connected for you to know exactly what does or doesn't work. So now you're spending more money on these marketing channels and you have less insight as to how profitable it's actually going to be, uh, which uh, is going to give more power to bigger companies and less power to smaller companies because the smaller companies need much more data to know exactly where those money is going because yeah. they're they're running with a one to two month runway before they're out of business if things go poorly. Where you know Walmart, if they want to advertise, they could waste a billion dollars tomorrow and they'd be like, oops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And I think I think you're right. The impact on the smaller business is going to be much because I'm, uh, you know, I'd call my e-commerce sites a smaller business and I kind of, I want to know what's working and what's not. And if it's working, awesome. If it's not, I want to switch it off um, because I don't want to waste that money. And so um, I, I think you're right, the changes. And for those of you who don't know, Apple made some big changes in the um, most recent iOS update, which is their their system. So Safari now um, has stopped certain uh, pieces of data going back to the big companies from your web browser in the disguise of it's personal privacy, which I get and I understand and I part of me applauds them for it. But like Jared said, it's going to make it much more difficult, I think, for smaller businesses to figure out which marketing's working better for them. Uh, so like you say, there are pros and cons and, and swings and roundabouts. Jared, listen, I feel like we could go all night, but we've definitely been going a big chunk of the night, that's for sure. So uh, how can how can people connect with you? How can they they reach out to you? What's the best way to do that? Yeah, so the best way to do that is to go to teambluedog.com. That's T-E-A-M, bluedog.com. And, you know, from there, there's content there. There's contact information, you know, whatever you want to do. Send send a friendly message, send a not-so-friendly message. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just friendly messages are fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the others just get filled out. Uh, but no, listen, so that's teambluedog.com. Uh, so if you want to reach out to Jared, uh, teambluedog.com, we will, of course, put a link to Jared uh, in the show notes, which you can get on the website too. So if you're driving or you can't jot that down, just head on over to ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 51, and you will find the notes from tonight's conversation with Jared as well as links to him. Jared, listen, uh, it's been brilliant talking to you. I've learned a lot. Uh, i got lots of notes. Um, and so I, I really appreciate you being with us. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Uh, and uh, I wish you all the best with the rebrand and uh, with, with Blue Dog Media. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Ah. Oh. Wasn't Jared fantastic and so generous and gracious with the information that he gave us? And uh, if you are thinking about doing a uh, ad campaign and you're going to start in that whole thing of ads, you are definitely going to want to re-listen to today's show. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to the audio version uh, of the podcast, you can get that uh, wherever you get your podcast from, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. We're on there to search the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson uh, and it will come up. You can, of course, follow the links from ecommercepodcast.net and we'll, we'll take you there. No problem at all. Uh, but a big, huge thanks to Jared for being so gracious for uh, with us uh, and sharing the information. Uh, much appreciated. Now, you know, uh, my aim whenever I speak to a guest is to always find some real practical nuggets that I can use on my own e-commerce websites and in my own e-commerce businesses. I say that every week. And that's what happened with Jared right there. That's what we got. Um, I really, really enjoyed that, uh, especially the mistakes, because I can tell you we have definitely made some of those, including the stuff about segmentation, including the stuff about not tracking conversion better. Uh, we... we <laughs> It was almost like Matt's failure checklist you could have gone down. So I hope you got some great stuff out of it as well. If you did, then I would appreciate it if you could rate the show on iTunes uh, or even share it out so uh, we can connect with more amazing folks around the world. Uh, we appreciate you spreading the word. As I said at the start, and as I've said a number of times through the show, you can get the notes, the links, uh, and the transcript, actually, from today's show. They are online, and you can get them free at ecommercepodcast.net forward slash 51. All that's left for me to say is thanks for listening. Make sure you come back next week as we're going to carry on uh, interviewing some great guests. As I said at the start, we do interview people and we broadcast it live out on Facebook and YouTube. Now, because it's live, sometimes that gets interrupted like tonight by some internet blips, uh, but most of the time it works. So if you're around, go to our Facebook page or go to our YouTube page. Uh, make sure you sign up to uh, those pages. Make sure you subscribe to them. And who knows, you know, come and join the live when we talk to future guests and get to ask your questions directly to them. Uh, so yeah, so why not do that? Have a go. Uh, so that's it from me. Have a great week. I'll be back next week, as I said, with some more e-commerce guests to talk, chat to. Uh, I will see you then. Have a fab week. Stay safe. And I'll be back soon. You've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson. Join us next time for more interviews, tips, and tools for building your business online.